Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things and we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I'm joined as always by my co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing buddy? I am doing so good. This was so much fun. You've pitched this idea for this episode to do a, a special solo episode with just the two of us to talk about the history of Chuck E. Cheese. I'm so glad you agreed and- to it. Oh, my God. It was we started talking about this. You'll hear about this a little more where it was like, okay, this is probably enough here. And then when started digging in and oh, my God, the depth of terrible things from Chuck E. Cheese is so much deeper than I predicted. This was incredible. There was one day where I was like sending you a new article, like just like I was like this, this, (laughs) this. I just kept finding articles about Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, this is insane. This is amazing. (laughs) It, It was ridiculous. None of this should have happened or existed. And it all did. And we got to do this this special solo episode because we could not reasonably ask any other person to talk about this <laughs> because it was so dumb in theory. But then we look into it. It was like, no, this is a really good where it went wrong because it was a dream when you were a kid. And the actual dark side was so deep. It got way darker than I was expecting, if we're being 100% honest. We breezed past some of the darkest aspects. We'll like touch on it. But uh, we get we mostly keep in the fun stuff. We get into the video game crash. We get into animatronics jokes. Uh, I had a pun that I I feel was probably in the the upper echelon of puns I've made in my entire life. I do. I I clearly didn't give Wen enough credit at the time, but inside I was really appreciating it. That that was a solid pun. Uh, So guys, uh, I mean, stick around, listen to it. This was a really great one. Let's get into it. Andrew, we're doing another solo one of these. These are so fun. I love I love having our guests when we get to talk with some amazing comedians, but there's also stuff that you and I get really into that we can't in good conscience ask somebody else to talk about for an hour, an hour and a half. So the, the basis of this episode pretty much was <laughs> like, we're going to not record for like a little bit. You guys aren't going to notice the stoppage at all. Yeah. We've been working on this. We got episodes in the tank. <laughs> yeah, We have foresight. And so we're like, fighting between like should we get a guest should we not get a guest we're like let's just do one by ourselves we're like well what's something that nobody else will want to talk about yeah and i would say this is like the second biggest rat-based disaster 
behind the bubonic plague. Of course. We're, of course, talking about Chuck E. Cheese today, <laughs> which was the dumbest thing I could think of that nobody else would be like, have y'all done a Chuck E. Cheese episode? Right. <laughs> Right. We don't want to take anything away from from uh, our guests, too, because occasionally they come in. It's like, oh, no, we already did one on this topic. But this was one where when brought it up and then started looking into it and it was one of those instant. OK, well, we might have to do this as like a three or four parter because there is so much dumb stuff that happened here. <laughs> <laughs> I threw out Chuck E. Cheese as just like a as like an example of something stupid we could do. And then I opened <laughs> the Wikipedia. I read it for Chuck E. Cheese and said, Andrew, there's too much good stuff here for us not to do a whole Chuck E. Cheese based episode. It was incredible. The insane history here. (laughs) Just the number of stupid events. Stuff that is like, if you thought this would happen, you'd be like, oh, okay. Like maybe at like a biker bar or a strip club or or (laughs) somewhere like the seedy underbelly where you expect there was mob working in the back room. Apparently it just all happens at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) You know what? I would love for there to be mob based operations running outside yeah. of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I would respect that so goddamn much. Andrew, did you ever go to Chuck E. Cheese themed birthday parties? I guess I want to know just your experience with Chuck E. Cheese. What do you think of the place and the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, I did a, when I was a kid. And at, at that point, yeah, I'm it's, not asking if you've recently gone to a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, <laughs> recently, I do it every year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every year for Andrew's birthday, <laughs> we all get together. Honestly, the pandemic first year I broke my streak. That was a rough one. But when I went as a kid, it was like, oh, cool. It's, it's, you've, you've got arcades, you've got bright colors, you've got pizza for a seven year old. It's the greatest thing in the world. Everything is easy access. And I get it in concept for the parents because ideally you have a short break here while your kids can just run around in a safe space. Yeah. It's just like, go, go have fun. I'll be here at the table doing pizza, just staring off into the middle. Right. So, no, I mean, I definitely had had fun there when I was a kid. As you get older, you realize, oh, this pizza is bad and there are so many germs everywhere. This is like, <laughs> like conceptually, it is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. You just have food being passed around while children sneeze and throw up <laughs> as close to it as possible. It is a horrible place. Like if if you told me it was where COVID started, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it adds up. I used to fucking love Chuck E. Cheese sure. birthday party. <laughs> I don't think I ever had one. I I don't think that like my family ever actually pulled the trigger on a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. But I I loved them. I loved I loved the experience. There was a few times where I convinced my dad to take me to Chuck E. Cheese so I could bring my report card with me because they had a whole like, if you get good grades, we'll give you tokens. (laughs) And I just wanted like as like a as a needy uh, person who requires praise constantly, (laughs) being able to bring in my report card card and like show it to a stranger and be like, tell me I'm good was a dream. Oh, yeah. No, the the only other one like of that size was taking your scholastic book fair report to Pizza Hut to get the free personal pan pizza to show that you read so many books in a month. Better system. Better system for sure. You get a a higher quality of bad pizza. My dad didn't have to like slowly drive himself insane just ordering pictures by himself. No, it's the absolute 
pinnacle of achievement for kids that will for far too long base their value on what of their fourth grade teacher thought of them. Basically, comedians ended up at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> oh, I was a gifted yeah. child. I was a gi- people who we still were all gifted being, children. Being gifted children. <laughs> it's you had to you had to be able to do math roughly fast. It was it was not a standard you should be held to. Did you have to do it fast? I don't think I ever had to do it fast. Oh, you didn't have those minute tests where you had to do as many multiplication tables as you could in a minute. Okay, I did have those, but my teachers felt very bad. <laughs> I should not have passed. Andrew, I've never told you this story. Sidetracking from Chuck E. Cheese for a second. Andrew, I don't think I should have graduated high school. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm not saying this is just like a, is it when being dumb? No, this is a stone cold fact. And now that I am, how what, what day is it? May 17th? Like around right now, I am roughly 11 years removed. So I don't think they can take away my degree. But I was not doing well in pre-calculus at all. <laughs> it was my senior year. I was failing every test. It just didn't make sense to me. I'm not a math person. And then I decided the teacher got a new projector and she wasn't able to uh, set it up right. They wouldn't pay her or give her money for a table to put this thing on in order to have it in the center of the room. So me being the theater kid that also helped out on sets went with another kid who was also struggling. And we went up to her. We said, hey, we will build you your very own table (laughs) if you give us extra credit. And she was like, how much extra credit do you want for this? And I said, 200 extra credit points (laughs) each. That's two full tests. This this feels a lot like the bargain in Shawshank Redemption. She said, yes. Andrew, she said yes to this. She didn't hustle me down. I started high. I thought if I threw out a really high number, we would meet somewhere lower, but something I'd still be happy with. I said 200 points, two full test grades for each of us. And she looked at us. It was just like... All right, that sounds fair. And so for every Saturday for like three or four weeks, me and this guy would get together and we would just like, we would stain it. It was beautiful. We stained it. We got everything set up right. And we didn't do the cheap theater kit thing where you just put a, you know, flat piece of wood on top of a few two by fours. And you're like, that's a desk. Like we actually engineered it. It was a real, real table. And she gave us those points. And I seriously was looking over my shoulder at my graduation the entire time. I'm expecting someone to tap me on the shoulder and be like, kid, you got to go 200 <laughs> extra credit points and you've still got a C plus. <laughs> you know what? You, you learned woodworking and bartering and that's got to have come in more useful than pre-calc at this stage in your life. You know what? You learned something. You know what? That's true. <laughs> that's true. I had actual skills at the end of that. I was able to negotiate and I was able to actually build something with my hands and I've done both of those at least slightly more than right. calculus. <laughs> so you know what your teacher just taught you an abstract lesson there that was a long way to go but this feels like one of the things at the end where the teacher doesn't have any lessons planned and is like what do you think you learned and whatever you say like yes that's what I was going for I believe she's been fired <laughs> since <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate that you snuck this one in before she lost her job. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I think the two might go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they might have heard this story through the grapevine later on. Listen, if they won't even give her a table, how much can she care at this point? <laughs> That's very true. It was a private school. They were able to give her a budget. They should have right. treated her better. <laughs> my point is, if you took my senior report card, I would have gotten zero Chuck E. Cheese tokens <laughs> from what I was doing. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
By the way, I very much, we did not have time for this episode, but I wanted to do a report on the Chuck E. Cheese economic system because the values there are all over the place from the cost of tokens to the tickets to the prizes. Like no nation could survive on the range that Chuck E. Cheese produces there. It's a racket. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a racket. I had this idea. So have you heard of the uh, Iraqi dinar idea? The dinar is the is the money used in Iraq. Iraq. Right. And it is currently valued at 0.00068 of the US dollar. This is a new idea. No, no, no. This is no, this is the current, this is the current value of the Iraqi dinar compared to the US dollar. And there is a belief amongst a lot of people that are buying up the dinar. They buy dinar in a huge quantities. They sink their whole life savings into it. This is a widespread belief. <laughs> they will put all of their money, all of their life savings in buying Iraqi dinars with the idea that there will come a day where the dinar will increase in value to be on the level of the U.S. dollar. That once peace in the Middle East is achieved, that once once the entire region has gotten to a point where like there is some kind of stability, that that value will skyrocket. And then they will then transfer the dinar back to U.S. currency, where it will then be worth hundreds and hundreds of times what they originally bought it for. And that's how Chuck E. Cheese money works. (laughs) (laughs) You... I absolutely hoarded those tickets after looking at that eraser for like 5,000 being like, no, going to come back next time when it drops. <laughs> I'm I'm taking 20 US dollars, turning it into a completely useless coinage. <laughs> and, I, and I'm using those coins in the belief that I'm going to turn around and take that 20 US dollars and get it to become a PlayStation by the end of my day. That is, <laughs> that is the exact belief of the Iraqi dinars scandal or that not scandal Iraqi dinar currency a manipulation idea and Chuck E. Cheese's entire business strategy. <laughs> I am absolutely loving this analogy. We cannot in good conscience recommend either of these plans. But you know what? People are still buying Dogecoin so do what you want. We're not the boss of you. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's I remember going when I was a kid and for some absurd price, you know like 5,000 tickets or something, you could buy the first Ninja Turtles video game. Wait, the beat up? Like the beat up like side-scroller? Yes, but the very first one. Okay, that game fucking ruled. The second so. one did. The first one, kind of crap. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, no, that first one was garbage. But that second side-scroller beat up incredible game. I've wasted probably $200 on it. A certain it. absurd amount of coins you could, or, or the tickets, you could get this. I went back like a year later, and they had a stuffed animal at the same price with the video game gone. And at this point, I completely lost faith in the system of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> you you learned about inflation. I had been a year. I was like eight now. I was better at video games and still couldn't get this one. And I could get a Chuck E. Cheese stuffed animal. So I, I was done at this point. I mean, I still had like so many tickets because you can't justify buying a large comb <laughs> when you spend all of your tokens for an entire week. And it's like, okay, well, you've got the comb or the eraser or maybe one of those bouncy balls that lights up. And uh, this is the economic system that's built. I know. 
army guy with a parachute that's right. going to get tangled and <laughs> immediately. then be ruined immediately. <laughs> or a slinky, maybe a slinky that you're going to fuck up day one. Imagine all this kids with that. <laughs> you buy the slinky and you get home and you're like, oh, I guess I just push this myself now. <laughs> this doesn't do anything. Oh, no, you do that thing where you hold it in, your, t- in your hands either side and you go back and forth. Yeah, that what you would the move that you eventually use the first time you touch breasts. <laughs> and I, ideally Ooh, get better at the day. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Ideally, you improve after that. <laughs> I still yeah. use that move. My wife hates it. So this is very much the economy of childhood at this point. A lot is based on Chuck E. Cheese. But the parties there were so exciting. You've got pizza. You have, I mean, honestly, for me, it was skee-ball. Oh, you said obviously for you, like like everyone's been listening to this podcast and being like, Andrew sounds like a real skee-ball <laughs> I, I thought it was more like, ski. wasn't everyone's thing skee-ball? Wasn't that the go-to? No, no, I was uh, I was the basketball game. Sure. I was that one. And uh, I was the, the light going around in the circle. If you hit the button oh, at the God. right time to stop the light, you get a jackpot. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, kids roulette is <laughs> is the basis here. Yeah, that's, I mean, it yeah. was. I mean, all of them, all of them are basically, like, the games that are not traditional are all gambling. Right. Daniel Kibblesmith had that great joke about, welcome to Rat Pizza and Child Casino. <laughs> It's a fantastic joke because it's it true. Is. It is. They're all casino games. They're all games. Like the coin dozer. Oh, God. The coin dozer is the biggest fucking racket <laughs> in all of arcade video game land. Honestly, it's just outrage that existed. So then you get old enough to start understanding physics and you're like, wait a minute. There was no way anyone could win this. You know what's really fucked up? Me and my wife went to an arcade before COVID and everything. She is so good at the coin dozer. And I realized later, like, oh, yeah, she's an architect. Right. Like, she understands angles. Uh, I don't. I just put in my entire life savings into the machine, hoping it'll push me out a few extra coins of what I put in, which was basically how my retirement's going to work. There is a lot of Chuck E. Cheese that is just a metaphor for your finances as an adult. You don't realize how devastating it is at the time, but there's a lot when you get older and you just go back and you're like, oh, this is what they were preparing us for. So I was just really, really just prepping to just having my whole life ruined by a rat with a guitar. Right. <laughs> So let's get into that for a second, because you had some cool, even before research, you knew far more about Chuck E. Cheese than I expected about how this came came to be. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about this? So the first Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese was the idea of Nolan Bushnell, who was the co-founder of Atari. That was the the first video game system. You know, if you've played uh, Asteroids and that's it, that was Atari. That was the one game that Atari had. But yeah, so he was the founder and he wanted to get more people into video games, specifically children. And I know that sounds insane to you, but you got to remember that video games were so fucking expensive. Like to have an Atari meant that you were the wealthiest man on the block and you have an ability to turn your television into a game and casino. (laughs) That's insane to think about in 1970s terms. And the video games that did exist were mostly in places like pool halls, just places for adults that served alcohol and did not allow allow children into them. So he was also inspired by the need for wanting to get children to video games and also by Disney's Country Bear Jamboree, (laughs) which if you don't know, is a animatronic show in Disneyland and Disney World where a family of bears will play for your enjoyment and you're not enjoyed at any point during the entire process. (laughs) 
But I mean, it, it was a reasonable concept of, look, we've got animatronic capabilities now. We're going to have this here. Now it it's honestly feels very disturbing to me. But you'd, you'd also mentioned, I hadn't really considered that, but yeah, kids didn't have access to video games, despite how this was discussed. No, like I know, I know the barrier for entry for video games is high now, but back then it was, I mean, it's, it's a very hard hobby to get into when everything is so expensive and only kind of afforded by adults. And the game's really kid-friendly and, you know, they were designed for anyone can play. Like, Asteroids could be played by anyone. There's no, like, funny little cartoon on the box. No, I mean, it's it's dexterity-based and these are things that obviously kids really did enjoy, but it was better for, for teenagers, at least. You and I talked a bit about this, too, how there was controversy around this stuff. This was primarily around pinball before this, but, I mean, there were multiple periods in American history where they tried hard to ban pin. In fact, there was a story from the 40s where a cop went in, played six games until he actually won one and won a free game and then arrested the owner for promoting gambling. Just insane. <laughs> yes. Well, they believed it was robbing school children of their nickels and dimes was 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 the actual official like statement that they made. The children were being robbed of their nickels and dimes. And they even played it to the tune of, of millions and like, OK, maybe. But but they called this gambling. And this was a, a big thing for a while where they kept pushing on it. And in fact, they made this last for a long time until the 70s when they had a significant player come in and actually discuss with Congress and show them that this was skill based. And after a certain level where they saw the degree to which skill can be achieved in this, they couldn't really push the gambling line as much anymore. But there was a hard push to ban this and, and video games kind of went with it. Obviously, most of us have heard the stories from the 80s when video games started about the same thing TV did about rotting children's brains. But yeah, pinball, video games, arcades, these were things that were, as soon as they were introduced, were considered the dregs for the dregs of society. And then this guy comes along and is like, okay, but what if we make it for children? <laughs> what if we made it for children and for you to be able to bring your kids in and just be able to ignore them right. for several hours. <laughs> because you got to remember, parents didn't have free time back then. No, you. I mean, we'll have a poorly trained 15-year-old watch them who got high right before he came in. You can just relax. <laughs> it, it was the 70s. That was right. how most things operated back then. So they had this idea of an arcade for children plus the country bear jamboree and they needed a third thing. They needed food and they decided on pizza uh, and here's the exact quote was, it was my pet project. I chose pizza because the wait time and the build schedule, very few components and not too many ways to screw it up. Little did he know they fucked pizza up over at Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's hard to make terrible, but but Chuck E. Cheese succeeded because that wasn't the goal. The goal was to have something a child will eat, which is basically anything they know to be unhealthy. I mean, it was that or chicken nuggets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's smart because there's very little that you need for it. There's pizza. You don't have to worry about sides. You don't have to worry about different orders, appetizers, nothing. You get pizza when you come here and you're going to like it. <laughs> right. There's no training. There's no overhead. It is remarkable. Remarkably simple if you do not care that it's good. <laughs> Did you know what the original name for Chuck E. Cheese is, was supposed to be? And I'm not fucking kidding you on this. Please tell us. It was supposed to be called Coyote Pizza. <laughs> now, Andrew, why would they call it Coyote Pizza? I imagine there was something supposed to be coyote based. Yes. They ordered the costume for a coyote for their <laughs> Coyote Pizza restaurant, and they ended up with a costume for a rat. <laughs> and instead of saying, hey, you guys sent us the wrong costume, they said, I guess we're the rat place now, and <laughs> rolled with it. They were going to call it Rick Rat's Pizza, which is insane. <laughs> the marketing team immediately was like, you can't fucking call this place rat 
pizza, you <laughs> dumb piece of shit. We're not calling our pizza restaurant rat pizza. <laughs> like, your marketing team should not need to step in here. If you can't figure that part out on your own, I don't think you're prepared to run this business. <laughs> look, look, Nolan Bushnell co-founded Atari, was a genius, founded Chuck E. Cheese, but you got to remember, he was also a, a computer programmer in the 70s. He probably didn't have the best social skills of anyone you've right. ever met. <laughs> I just love that at no point is there a consideration of maybe they have other costumes. Maybe we can send this back. Yeah, no, like, like, oh, can you just send the coyote that I ordered? And like, no, there's no idea to do that. There's no idea to just be like, can you get a bird in right. here? They're like, no, we're sticking with the rat and we're rolling with it. So they cut the Rick Rats pizza name. And instead of reordering the costume, they were just like, okay, how about we give him a different name? Like, Charles Entertainment <laughs> Cheese, which is his full name. That's what the E stands for in Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese, in case you weren't aware, is Charles <laughs> Entertainment Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Not going for subtlety here. Also, it's not like you hired someone for your kid's birthday party and they showed up in the wrong costume. You're launching a business here, an eventual franchise. You don't want to take the extra day to correct that. It was incredible to me. And then just the idea of we don't need subtext. <laughs> We're going to put entertainment right in his name. Well, the thing that's really kind of weird to me, the whole the whole thing is, so you name the place, but you don't print out materials with the name. You don't get a sign. Like, you wait for the costume to come in before <laughs> oh, you actually fill out your legal documents. <laughs> that is a very good point. God, so they had to have gotten the costume so early. So much hinged on the costume coming in. <laughs> they had so much time to change it if they didn't even have, like, a placard up yet. <laughs> they hadn't even filed. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but they had the costume and they felt they were locked in. So they <laughs> rolled with it and made rat pizza. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. sorry, this is it's the wildest thing to me. So the first Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater, which is the original full name is Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater, opened in San Jose, California in 1977. And it was a smash hit. People really were into this thing. So in 1978, when Atari's corporate partner, Warner Communications, refused to open other locations for this business, Bushnell purchased the rights and the concept to the characters from Warner for $500,000. And remember, the character that he paid $500,000 from was something that they just kind of shit out when they got the wrong costume. <laughs> he did not have to buy the stable of characters. He could have just gone to that company and said, send me nine coyotes and just named characters as they come. Oh, they sent me a bird. That's that's Benny the bird. Right. Keep them coming. Octopus, that's Oliver Fun Times Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Can we address it? Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater absolutely sounds like the name that you would see of a fictional American restaurant in another country that having a TV show. Like, you know, America Good Time Pizza Hangout Party Place, where it's absolutely offensive to someone, but you don't know exactly who. <laughs> this is the longest, most unnecessary name. Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater is just the wildest thing to say. And it also sounds like something that would be traveling around from town to town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that's a front for like a fun children's pizza thing. But at the same time, there's a bunch of people like underneath the bleachers stealing your wallet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like there's a bunch of hired urchins who are just robbing you while you're enjoying the show. There is no part of Chuck E. Cheese's conception that does not sound like a con that absolutely will not work. And here's the thing. It works. I People know. love this thing. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it. Still, conceptually, I get the idea of Arcade for Kids. I get the idea of pizza. Honestly, they creep me out, but I get the idea of animatronics. But it was all done so badly that I do not. I think it was just that it was the only one. It was the only thing like this. And this is where you had to go if you were a kid and wanted to play video games and eat terrible pizza. Exactly. And here's the thing. The second location also did well. They got to the point where if they wanted to expand beyond California and the West Coast, they had to franchise. And you know how franchising works, right? I do. Well, for the listeners who may not know, basically, he's leasing out the name, the theme, the recipes for the food to individuals who will then pay him a licensing fee and they will open up their own Chuck E. Cheese's or McDonald's or what have you all around the country. So to do this, he made an arrangement with Robert Brock in Topeka in management to form Pizza Showbiz, which is the name of the subdivision that owns all of Chuck E. Cheese back at this time and was later called Showbiz Pizza Place. <laughs> Conceptually identical to the Pizza Time Theater in all aspects and would provide for the creative engineering. So basically they built a robot factory as well as a subsidiary that would control the restaurants. Can you understand how fucking insane this is that they owned both an animatronics factory and a restaurant? This feels like it would be the B storyline in a Blade Runner spinoff. Like this, this is absolutely something that's going to end in disaster when the robots become sentient and kill people. And this is just, again, all conceptually terrible. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go into what happened was these expand. Uh, Pizza Time Theater goes public and people love video games. In 1981, after it goes public, everything is growing and growing and growing. But then the video game crash of 1983 happened. And the video game crash of 1983 was basically a large scale recession in the video game industry that happened between 1983 and 1985 in the United States. Few reasons for it were market saturation. People kept opening up consoles and available games. There was just too much on the market. So eventually just people's interests waned. Revenues that had peaked at $3.2 billion in 1983 fell to $100 million in 1985. That is a 97% drop in revenue during this time, during the video game crash of 1983. And because of this, uh, Bushnell was in insurmountable debt. He remembered, this is the co-owner of Atari. Video games are his thing. So he has to fire chapter 11 bankruptcy uh, for Pizza Time Theater. So pretty much Robert Brock, uh, who was his partner, bought the floundering company, finalized the purchase in 1985 and merged the restaurant companies of both Showtime and Showbiz into just Showbiz Pizza Time Incorporated. <laughs> Which again, the word. And before this too, there, there had been a lawsuit between them, right? Because Showbiz was a clear ripoff. So Chuck E. Cheese was going to get a portion of their revenue 
revenue after winning the lawsuit because he went out to make showbiz and said, from what I read on this, basically he said, our animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese won't be able to compete with this other with this other company's animatronics. As you mentioned, you know, they create their own station here. So he goes to form his own company with this other company's animatronics. And then Chuck E. Cheese says, this is our entire thing. We were partners before you left here. We are obviously going to sue you. <laughs> and they win the lawsuit. So showbiz has to give Chuck E. Cheese a portion of their income. And then they acquire them in this merger, which had to be brutal uh, <laughs> to, to go through. Oh, no, there's no way they didn't just stare across the table the entire yeah. time. You like just go fuck <laughs> yeah. you back and forth the entire evening. <laughs> it was the most awkward moment in 1985. Uh, <laughs> the entire year it was incredible. But yeah, so now you've got an even longer name uh, <laughs> with slightly better animatronics. Exactly. But these things are, are big. There are Chuck E. Cheese's everywhere. I could go probably within 30 miles of where I live right now and I could tell you the location of at least four or Chuck E. Cheese's off the top of my head. <laughs> These are popular places, Andrew. They're so popular that, you know, you have the regular band, the regular Chuck E. Cheese and his Pizza Time band that like are on the main show. They start opening up second stages in their locations. Which is amazing that this is the biggest draw. The animatronic band is such a hook that they they have to turn it into Lollapalooza. They have to make overflow rooms. <laughs> like, I'm sorry you couldn't make it to the main show. I guess you could go to the B squad over here in room C <laughs> and you would go in there and this was my favorite thing from reading because one of the cabaret characters and they called them cabarets yeah. so you would go into the other room and like it sounds like cabaret makes it sound like I'm about to go in there and I'm about to see a, like a like a chicken with tassels right <laughs> like it sounds like I'm about to see a burlesque show with these right. animatronics <laughs> but that's neither here nor there one of the most popular cabaret shows was Dolly Dimples a hippopotamus who played the piano and sang blues slash jazz style songs in the style of Pearl Bailey. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me that this animatronic hippopotamus was singing the blues? <laughs> I I love the backstory the creator of this had to have for her in his own head to be like, oh no, she she went through some shit. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> They programmed this robot to feel sadness so that it could <laughs> sing the blues. That's, I mean, that's fucked up. That, like, there's been whole sci-fi franchises uh, written for this less. Is, this was the precursor to Westworld. Is <laughs> the basic Is here. this whole thing not just Westworld <laughs> on a very small scale when you really think about it? Although, the other part that's messed up about this is, as you said, they had to make an overflow room because it was so popular. These are animatronics. They could have put the same animatronics in the other room. It's not like, oh, you, you can't see the clash on two stages at once. You could have have them on two stages at once, but instead they make a secondary backup band that's slightly worse in the overflow room. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say they made a backup band? Because <laughs> they didn't, Andrew. They made many, many bands. So not only did they have this hippopotamus that was apparently doing some kind of weird the blues. I don't know what to call this. I don't know what the idea of going to a children's birthday party and seeing a hippopotamus <laughs> that's singing sad songs about how hard their life is. They're a slave to this robot band. <laughs> like, of course they have sadness, but those aren't going to be relatable problems to a right. child. <laughs> this is like the harshest lessons about life happened in this offshoot room at Chuck E. Cheese where kids just come back dead-eyed and it was like, oh God, I just, I just found out about taxes and divorce. And just... <laughs> 
devastated nine-year-olds <laughs> that are now completely silent on the drive home from this hippo. And they go in, they make so many bands. They make The Beagles, which is a parody of The Beatles. They make The Beach Bowsers, which are a parody of The Beach Boys. And then they have one person who's just called The King, which is clearly Elvis. And you would think that being from Memphis, that that would be all that they would have at the Chuck E. Cheese's. They don't. The Elvis one did not make it to our concept of Chuck E. Cheese, which I find insane. I, I like that the king was clearly Elvis, but the Beach Bowsers was not clearly the Beach Boys. <laughs> that, that one we needed clarification on. Well, yeah, the Beach Bowsers could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people like the beach, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> but it's absolutely wild. So this thing just grows more and more. They get more of these bands. But then in the mid-2000s, they decide that they're going to get rid of the animatronics. By 2015, the Chucky Live stage show featured no animatronics at all. It just put out a dance floor. The performances were only by costume characters that had been created for the chain. And in 2017, the chain announced that animatronic shows would be removed entirely in favor of a design that they were uh, rolling out using just the screens and the dance floor. Which, I mean, at this point, it's just mascots again. You could have done this easily back in the 70s. This is feels like a giant step backwards from what this was built to be. You would think they had robots. Right. <laughs> they had robots that were so terrifying that they created like they were the inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's, one of the biggest <laughs> horror games that have ever existed. It's also if you ever look up pictures of like the original Disney World costumes or original Disneyland costumes, horrifying. So th these were the, the first, you know, terrifying mice first. Again, you know, Black Plague did its own thing. But yeah, so I mean, this is right. You already did robots. You did robots when it was hard to do robots. Now it's pretty easy to do robots and you're going to do costumes. Not only that, you got good at right. robots. You built a whole company on this and now we're going to switch back to Kaizen costumes uh, and let's go ahead and, and get rid of our lead singer. <laughs> Not only that, but also they rebranded the entire thing back in 2012. So Duncan Brannon had been the voice of Chuck E. Cheese for 19 years, and he played him as like a wise cracking, like, like no nonsense, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of sassy mouse from New Jersey. That was his whole thing. And so when they rebranded, they made him more slick. They, they gave him a guitar and they now have him voiced by Jarrett Reddick, the front man for Bowling for Soup. <laughs> Which is incredible, but I also do like the idea that they gave him no character, where Chuck E. Cheese is now just Jared Reddick from Bowling for Soup. <laughs> this is this is his entire new persona. He introduces himself as Jared. It's a situation where, like, like Bojack Horseman, where they have animal versions of celebrities. Like, this was Jared right. <laughs> It was... I mean, like, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, good singer. Very surprised he made this choice, but you know what? Maybe he's a big Chuck E. Cheese fan. Andrew, I'm going to be honest with you. You did not give Jer Rat Reddick a big I, enough applause. <laughs> you should have given a standing it ovation. Was, it was very good. Pun. I absolutely appreciate it. But you're right. I should have given an, an audi our audience a time to to let that sink in. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you heard that pun, please pause the podcast. I want you yeah. to give it the amount of applause you believe that it deserved. And then I want you to hit play. Again. Yeah, because that was that was definitely off the cuff, too. Uh, sincerely. So, yeah, guys, go go play that again. We can cut this together. We're not going to do that. Do whatever you want, guys. We've got Jerat Reddick. <laughs> Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the question is, when we first did this, we're like, okay, so we're just going to dunk on Chuck E. Cheese for an hour. I mean, we got to get into where it went wrong. And obviously, guys, we're not saying that it's a bad business plan. These things are popular. There's a lot of them. People love them. We love them as children. So in thinking of like, oh, okay, well, where's the hook? Where is the where it went wrong? We were like, oh, well, we could say COVID because the business has filed for bankruptcy in many places because of COVID. But that's not fun. You could say COVID about practically any fucking thing at this point. Like, I don't want to do a where it went wrong chili, right. you know, but you could. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about it. And when, again, pitches this idea and we sit down and go, to, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, fun as a kid, some issues now. And when calls me later that that night and says, do you know about the Chuck E. Cheese murders? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I was just like, I told my wife like, oh, we're going to do this Chuck E. Cheese episode. She's like, where, where are you going to say it went wrong? We said, I guess COVID. And she just goes, you know, there's been like a lot of a murders, lot of murders. at Chuck E. Cheese, right? <laughs> Way more. Pick the number of murders you think happened at Chuck E. Cheese. It's higher. It's, <laughs> it's definitely higher. So we'll start with the biggest one. We'll start with the, the biggest possible murder. So guys, where it went wrong, apparently there's more crime in Chuck E. Cheese than the Moe's Eisley Cantina <laughs> from Star Wars. It, it was insane. The the level of violence here, and there, there are quotes here from where the, these things happen, where they said, no, we get called to Chuck E. Cheese more often than we get called to the bar next door, to the strip club down the street. The fights at Chuck E. Cheese are constant and brutal. <laughs> I'll just pull this thing. On an ABC broadcast from February 27th, 2017, police claimed that they received more calls from Chuck E. Cheese than some Tampa Bay area gentlemen's clubs. <laughs> I, I've got one from 2008. It said in Brookfield, Wisconsin, no restaurant has triggered more calls to the police department since last year than Chuck E. Cheese. This is incredible stuff. It, it is because it's not like this is happening between the kids and two, nobody's asking the kids to leave for this. <laughs> this is I've got one report about like a 12-year-old girl trying to break up this fight <laughs> between two adults. This is insane. So we'll start with the, the, I don't know, the saddest one. Yeah. (laughs) We'll start with the sad stuff first, because this is, this is pretty, pretty messed up, but it is what's actually known as, if you look it up, the Chuck E. Cheese murders. The titular Chuck E. Cheese murders was a 1993 Aurora, Colorado shooting. So an employee had been fired and he decided to come back to the Chuck E. Cheese. He came in around 9 p.m. and he ordered a ham and cheese sandwich and played an arcade game. And then he hit in the restroom till about 9.50. And first thing, if a grown man (laughs) goes into a Chuck E. Cheese alone and he orders a ham sandwich at 9 o'clock at night, 
automatically you should kick that person out. I would say any one of those things is concerning <laughs> if you've got all three together. Like yeah. not only was he a former employee, not only was he clearly a disgruntled fired employee, it was also a grown man going into a Chuck E. Cheese at night near closing time and ordering a meal for yeah. one. <laughs> Automatic red right. flag. No, if you if you put this in a script, they're going to be like, you're, you're telegraphing it. We can't do this. Obviously, this is going to go off. <laughs> so then he goes into the bathroom and he hides there until about 9.50. He exits the restroom after closing at 10.05 and he killed five employees. We're not going to go in and make jokes about this part because obviously that's fucking awful. It became a national story later on, mostly because Governor Hickenlooper gave him in 2013 a hold on his execution because there were changing laws in the state on the death penalty. And actually he had his sentence repealed in March of 2020. Uh, So his sentence was commutated from death sentence to life without parole. So that was Nathan Gerald Dunlap. And for all intents and purposes, fuck that guy. But he is the reason that they're like, he was like the first case of a big murder that happened at a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. And and that one really was awful reading about it. So be, be prepared if you look that one up. But it was a very sad story. But also it was like, it was one of those things where you read it and you think, oh, okay, well, this was horrible, but had to be a one-off event. And then it was not. It was not. I mean, I can't find the exact number of shootings at Chuck E. Cheese, but it turns out there's been like two in the past year alone. <laughs> it's incredible. And the number two that don't escalate to that level, there was a brawl some years ago with 40 parents fighting. 40. I mean, you don't go in knowing 40 parents. That means mid-fight, you had to pick a side. You had to decide to be a part of this fight and then pick <laughs> the side <laughs> it, rather than leave with your child. <laughs> I just can't imagine being at a place with my kids, seeing a fight break out and like a large fight, like maybe two people. I'm like, I can get in there and break it up and separate these. I can't imagine just like seeing like 20 people on this side, 20 people on that side and being like, that's a West Side Story like rumble. They are doing plies and pirouettes with knives in the center yeah. of the Chuck E. Cheese and the band just plays on. Do you think they turn off the band, by the way, when these fights break <laughs> out? Or are they like playing a song to go along with the chaos that is happening all around? All, all of a sudden the band switches to like Johnny Cash's Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow the fight's in slow motion all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, and these these fights, there's another one with, with a brawl that involved 20 people. And it says the brawl was sparked, according to police, by one child taking too long to choose a toy. That is like, I expected there to be more to that sentence because I cannot imagine being so enraged by a child choosing a toy that 20 people go at it in front of other innocent children forever scarring them. That's not the only one. Barbie Clifton, a mother of five, said that she was attacked at an Ohio Chuck E. Cheese during her daughter's birthday party. And she said, the lady seems to be so infuriated over my children being on the picture machine so long. Somebody would like, kids were on a picture machine, were in a photo booth and a someone a grown woman decided I need to attack their mom. Yeah. <laughs> I need to fight their mom because they're taking too long in a photo booth. It, it wasn't even like it escalated and got in a shoving match. She just attacked her. Like, this isn't like Little League where two dads start yelling and then eventually get into it. At a, some point, most of these fights, it seems like, or at least a number of these fights, someone just snaps. Someone just goes nuts. This other woman didn't like yell and push her. Like, the exact quote 
from Clifton was all I remember was hitting the floor, my hair being ripped and ripped and ripped and just being kicked in the head. God. That is a, that's a like that's a full on murder right. attempt over once again children <laughs> taking too long in the photo. Booth. So you know those movies where someone goes, you know, like like John Wick, someone loses someone, they go searching for revenge, they just want to fight. Apparently, Chuck E. Cheese is where you go if you're a parent <laughs> and out scouting for this. It can happen at the drop of the hat. Look, I get it. The embarrassments of life and like how much it can beat you down, it, it is constant and it is never ending. But I cannot imagine going into a Chuck E. Cheese and just starting brawls. In Saskawana, Pennsylvania, the local police said they were frequent visitors of a Chuck E. Cheese to the point that they had been called to one location 17 times over the course of 18 months starting in 2009. So there had, like, on average, they were going to this Chuck E. Cheese for a fight roughly <laughs> once a month for a year and a half. This is incredible. And <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese spent $15 million to try and figure out how to decrease the level of violence that was happening <laughs> in their restaurants. And at no point considered that they should stop serving alcohol off the table. Yes, that's a big thing. So when they go around and they start this whole process of trying to uh, make Chuck E. Cheese safe, which is a wild thing that they had to like form a commission to do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the communities would have meetings and they would like give their suggestions on how to make Chuck E. Cheese safer so that they would be comfortable bringing their families there. And one of them was stop serving alcohol. And Chuck E. Cheese was immediately just like, shut your goddamn mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> like, that is, we are not doing that. Some locations, like some of the franchises, like the franchisees are able to make their own calls. Some of them said, fine, we'll stop serving alcohol. But corporate was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> and then the other suggestion that they threw out there was, and this is the citizens, not the business, said, can you raise the price of your tokens? <laughs> they tried to gentrify Chuck E. Cheese thinking that would solve shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you when you're like, there's too many poor people playing video games here? It's, God, I mean, we're just incredibly offensive in, in every aspect of, of the concept, too. We're, there's equality here. Like, what, what the fuck yeah, are you trying to do? <laughs> to, to think that you're the high class of Chuck E. Cheese and need to kick out the riffraff. It's Chuck E. Cheese. This should be for everybody to begin with. And also it's terrible, but it's equal. You know, this <laughs> this shouldn't be so challenging, but just an insane response to all of this and $15 million to accomplish. Basically, at some point, too, they throw out statistics and we're saying, OK, but like with millions of people coming here, statistically, it's a small percentage. And it's like, yeah, a small percentage of all out brawls at a children's pizza place. <laughs> I mean, the exact statement that Chuck E. Cheese released was, while even one incident is too many. Over 99.99% of approximately 65 million annual guests visit at Chuck E. Cheese's go without incident. Which, fine? <laughs> That's a high enough percentage that I feel safe going to Chuck E. Cheese doesn't really address the problem as to why that's not 100%. Yeah, they immediately were just like, we hear you, we've reduced showroom seating and parameters in response to recent incidents, which was their way of saying like, we understand that you're very afraid of the fights breaking out here at <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. And in response, we are lowering the capacity for this band. And you know, the band was probably getting a charge of the door and they were pissed. I played in a cover band. If they told me they were lowering capacity, I'd be furious. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, like the response to this feels like we heard you. There are a lot of fights here. So smaller fights at most seven to eight people in the fight now instead of 20. Is that is that appease the public here? Is this all right for you? Yeah. (laughs) Which the lack of understanding of society behind this is interesting. But you also found some good data on the psychology behind this, because that was my first question, too, was like, why? I am. I'm also a little bit not surprised. It made sense. But also, like, we should be beyond this. Yeah. So ABC News actually pulled in two psychologists to try to figure out why there's so much violence at Chuck E. Cheese, pizza time, theater and restaurants. <laughs> I just had to say the full name. Say the full name out of respect. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> So the two psychologists were David Schwartz, who is a professor at the University of Southern California, and Howard Stevenson, who is an associate professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And pretty much ABC sat them down and had them watch footage of fights at Chuck E. Cheese on YouTube. And they were just like, so what's going on here? That's a job. <laughs> that that was a job these people got paid for was to go and watch fights at Chuck E. Cheese on YouTube. So kids, uh, that's what you can do one day. <laughs> Dream big. <laughs> right. Like, I, I think there's some legitimacy to it, but also like like this this wasn't an in-depth study. It was like, do you, you got any thoughts here, maybe? Because this is fucked up, right? Yeah. Can, can you figure this out? Can you figure out why people do violence? And they're like, we could take some guesses, I guess. Right. They're like, was somebody taking too long in a photo booth? Because that's what would start me fighting. I mean, there, there was some good info about this because it's basically if you've been to a child's birthday party as an adult, you see a lot more behind the scenes. It is high stress, depending on the relationship of the parents with their family, too. This is an opportunity when they feel inclined to impress everybody. It's also a time when they need everything to go perfect for their child. There's a lot of a combination of, of stressors from society, personal and family. And you're just at a tipping point. You're, you're primed for something small to set you off. And basically, you just don't need much. Something that, you know, on another day, you might sigh and get annoyed at. Instead, <laughs> you'd start throwing punches. This does not apply to everybody. But for people at their absolute breaking point, apparently a kid taking too long in a photo booth can be it. And then you have other parents in the same situation. Look, you've got two sides ready to fight. So fights break out, which is, is not unreasonable in theory. But once you put in the absurdity of the surroundings, you, I have to keep asking, but how? How does this happen? How do at no point do you take a step back and be like, this is a bad idea. Well, you got to also remember, like, this is like an insane environment. People are going to match the environment that they're kind of surrounded in. And Chuck E. Cheese is loud. It's bright. There's constant stimulation everywhere. There's children who are running around and screaming and giving you that energy that you're going to feed off of as a person in the orbit of it. Your nerves are probably going to be shot because you're surrounded by screaming children. You're drinking because they don't stop serving alcohol. That's one of their biggest (laughs) sellers and they're not going to give it up. And so I can understand how sometimes this gets pretty up there, especially because a lot of these (laughs) events with the kid taking too long to order the prize or the children too long in the photo booth. When someone is being aggressive to your child, you are going to automatically go into a mentality of get the fuck away from my child. And you're feeding off of all this insane energy around you, I can see how it could be a pretty intense situation in some respects. 
that part made more sense to me where for those that were doing it in defense of their child, it, it felt very often that it was the aggressor uh, was on the other side. But yeah, also there, there's a point here where, where you are doing whatever you have to for your kid. I still don't understand how that ends up in a 40 person brawl uh, <laughs> because not everyone can be involved in this argument. But if you consider the millions pumped in, into the psychology to figure out what was needed to keep adults in casinos to pump in oxygen in the room, keep it the right temperature, feed you drinks, don't put in any windows. The stuff that keeps someone sitting in a casino for 16 hours at a time. And then you add in the screaming and bright colors that are used as torture tactics to get people to talk. It's 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 going to be an intense situation. That's a lot going on. I can see it. I can understand. So the, the, the murders, I do not understand. There have been apparently a lot of murders. The one that we mentioned earlier was from a disgruntled employee. The others have been uh, domestic situations. And we're not going to get into those because there's no humor to be found in, in really any of those. The fights, however, are consistently funny from where I'm sitting at. Just because you're at a Chuck E. Cheese. It is one of the funniest possible places to get into a fight because there is a band playing backup music to it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, I feel like the only funnier possible situation would be snorkeling, maybe. I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of snorkelers were underwater and somehow found a way to, like, take sides and (laughs) fight each other down there would be probably the best thing caught on video. Right. Just constantly thwarted by the fact that they don't understand the resistance of water and your punches can't hit that hard. Uh, But other than that, Chuck E. Cheese is right there. (laughs) So I think we about covered it, which brings us to our next section in their defense, where we have to defend getting into fistfights at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) So Andrew, please, please give us your best take on fights at Chuck E. Cheese and why they're good? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with the explanation that you actually just threw out here, which is that at least a portion of these fights were people defending their kids. That is very reasonable. You're good parents. You're going to do anything for your kid. You do not know why you're in this situation where you're suddenly being attacked at Chuck E. Cheese, but you do what you have to to protect your child. The other side of that is people just going to Chuck E. Cheese looking for a fight. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) It's I, I get it. Maybe you just get super enraged by animatronic rats. That also feels reasonable to me. They removed them. The fight still came. I mean, that's a good point. But I mean, like there's one guy who was like planning a fight and then found out that they didn't have the rat band anymore. And he's like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> he, he put away his manifesto. Right. It's like, I'm no, I'm going to go get in a fight at Dave and Buster's now. Uh, this isn't <laughs> worth it anymore. <laughs> So in their defense, this is the dumbest thing in the world. There's there's no legitimate defense for this. You've got a couple people who are trying to do the right thing. Everyone else, you went to Chuck E. Cheese and you spoiled a child's birthday party because you can't control your anger. And this is the dumbest thing. I cannot possibly think of defense other than the fact that that pizza is so terrible, I'd be angry too. Okay. I guess I will also have to do it and I can't use the defense of protecting your child. Yeah, I felt bad ripping that off for you. That was clearly going to be yours, but I had nothing else. (laughs) You left me with not a lot of wiggle room here. So I guess my main thing is, have you ever waited to get into a photo booth for upwards of five minutes? (laughs) (laughs) 
Can, can you imagine <laughs> looking at those big pencils and there's a kid right in front of you who might take the last one and you're on edge thinking he might, but he's taking forever. And you're like, just put me out of my misery already. So you take a swing at his dad. Instant rage. <laughs> so if you've ever been in one of those situations and drunk, which let's face it, once again, if you're an adult at Chuck E. Cheese and you're hammered and you're not there with kids, you have a drinking problem where somehow you were kicked out of every other bar in the entire area and you're just going to Chuck E. Cheese in a last ditch effort to really keep <laughs> things going along. But yeah, I get it. You want the novelty pencil and you also want a photo of yourself inside of a photo booth. And if people are trying to stop you from doing that, I understand resorting to violence and sometimes gunfire. <laughs> you, you know what? When the stakes are so incredibly low, <laughs> it somehow matters more that you can't get it. I, I feel like is the message here. I think we did it. I think we fully covered the history of Chuck E. Cheese and where it went wrong, which was all of the fist fights <laughs> that break out at Chuck E. Cheese. The amount of violence that happens at Chuck E. Cheese could only normally be seen in the octagon. And yeah. you get it for the price of one report card's worth of tokens. <laughs> Right, the level of access to the fights here is incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. This was an insane history. Could not believe, like any part of this, no part of this should have existed, and all of it existed in the same place, which is just incredible. Just good stuff all around. Well, I feel like that's going to do it for us. Uh, <laughs> it is so fun getting to do these solo episodes because we get to pick the dumbest stuff that we just love on our own. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's no way if we got another comic on there that they were going to throw out. Have you done an episode on all the fights that happen at Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be back next week with Dan Spencer, uh, who's, who's got as a writer for, for Samantha B. And he's got some uh, a fantastic topic that a, a reasonable human would choose. But it's actually very funny. So we're going to be back next week. We hope you'll join us then. If you enjoyed this, uh, please subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps us out so much. We also have Patreon down in the show notes that helps us keep the show going. If you can subscribe there and we'll have some new content out for you soon. And uh, yeah, that should do it. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, when I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.